0: Please listen to me. I am experiencing symptoms here that I've never experienced before. I'm, I'm gaining weight and I can't lose, and I'm doing all the things. I'm eating well, I'm exercising, I'm de stressing, I'm meditating, I'm going to yoga. I'm doing all the things, and the weight keeps coming on.
1: Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast with your host, Angela Foster, the show where we talk about everything you need to break through limits and achieve a high performance mind, body, and lifestyle. Hi, friends. How are you? I am back from Morocco, having had a lovely, lovely week away from, with my family. I can't believe it's nearly Easter time soon, so we're going to have another lovely, long weekend, and I hope you will be enjoying that too. Um, just a quick reminder, it is only a couple of weeks before the Female Biohacker Collective officially launches that is my brand new community for women who want to really get into biohacking and optimize their health and performance. There's going to be a biohacking book club coming. We're going to have a monthly masterclass with me. We're also going to have monthly Q&As for members. And we're also going to have monthly challenges with me and my team so that you can literally take your health to a new level every single month. It's going to be so much fun. and I am so excited about it. If you are interested in joining we have an incredible founding members offer launching. You can go and check out all of the details and just let us know that you're interested by giving us your name and email address so we can contact you as soon as it launches. All you need to do to go and find all the details out is head over to bit.ly forward slash female hyphen biohacker. That is bit.ly forward slash female hyphen biohacker. Biohacker. I am beyond excited about this, and I would love for you to join us all. Now, in today's episode, if you've been struggling with low energy, with hair loss, with unexplained weight gain, with these symptoms of fatigue that you just can't seem to explain or get on top of, maybe you've even been to see your doctor and he said everything is fine, which so commonly happens because often they're looking at different lab ranges from what we look at from a functional perspective. And if you've been struggling like that, then you're going to really love this episode because you're going to learn all about how your thyroid affects your health and metabolism and if you suspect or you know you have a thyroid issue maybe something like Hashimoto's for example then Dr. Amy Horneman, who is my incredible guest on today's show is going to be explaining exactly how you can get your thyroid to function optimally what affects it what you should be doing what you shouldn't be doing And she breaks it down in such simple language. Um, Dr. Amy's just absolutely lovely. We had so much fun together on this podcast episode. She's also known as the Thyroid Fixer. She's on a mission to optimize thyroid patients around the world and give them their lives back using her program, The Fix Method. Her podcast, The Thyroid Fixer is also amazing. I had the great pleasure of going on there just last week. You can go and listen to that episode on Dr. Amy's show as well. That's the thyroid fixer and I break down my whole shift protocol, how you can optimize your sleep, your hormones, what insights you should be looking at, both in terms of at home data that you can gather with things like blood sugar monitors and the aura ring, for example, or the whoop strap. Alongside the lab reports that I use and recommend with my clients. And then we also break down my concept of flow, which is the way that I love you to really fuel your body for optimal energy and high performance. And then also how to train your body and mind. And I truly believe that health is the foundation of sustained high performance, both in life and business and in our relationships and everything that we do. So you can go and check all of that out on Dr. Amy's show, The Thyroid Fixer. But today I'm sitting down with her to talk. All about thyroid health and really help you to get to the bottom of any issues you may be having. So, without further delay, let me introduce you now to the absolutely lovely Dr. Amy Horneman. Dr. Amy, I am so excited to be joined here with you today um, and talking all about thyroid health because I think this is such a massively misunderstood area for people and some people probably have a thyroid problem and they don't even know about it. Um, And so first of all, a very warm
0: welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Angela. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, it's great to have you here. Um,
1: I think, first of all, because we were just talking about there before the show around how some people don't even know that they have a thyroid issue. They've got these symptoms that their doctor is saying is just kind of normal, which isn't necessarily normal. It's common, like hair loss. They can't lose weight. They think it's all them. Why is it me? Why can't I lose weight? What's going on? Mm -hmm. Can you just sort of, first of all, explain for people listening what the thyroid is, what it does, and why we
0: need to pay a bit more attention to it? Oh, yes, definitely. So the thyroid gland is the master gland in your body. It literally controls everything, every cell, every organ, every function of the body is controlled by thyroid hormones and by your thyroid gland. So it's a butterfly-shaped gland in your neck, and it releases two hormones, T4 and T3, now T4 is totally inactive. It is it's like your storage hormone. It's like the gas that's in the in the tanks at the gas station. T3 is your active thyroid hormone. That's what binds to all the cells. That's what gives you a metabolism and energy and controls your mood and even controls whether or not you go to the bathroom every day. It literally controls everything. So that T3 hormone is active. That's the gas that's in your car when you're pushing on the gas pedal and the car is going, that's T3. So we want to understand that T4 is inactive and T3 is active throughout this whole talk because we'll be referring back to those hormones quite often. But the bottom line is, if someone has a malfunctioning thyroid gland and you 99, 95% of the time, Hypothyroidism is caused by an autoimmune condition. So, Hashimoto's thyroiditis, that is when the immune system sees the thyroid gland as an invader and attacks it. The other 5% can be uh, of hypothyroidism, can be caused from different medications, extreme dieting, uh, extreme exercise, extreme stressful situations, chemotherapy, radiation. So, that's in that 5%. But the other 95% we want to understand is an autoimmune condition called Hashimoto's. And that's where your body is slowly destroying your thyroid. So as we get deeper into this talk, it's going to become more relevant to understand that T4 is inactive and T3 is active.
1: Great, thank you for kind of summarizing that. Because as you say, I think it is really p- important for people to understand that. Now, when they, when they first go f- to their doctor, their medical doctor, I know like here in the UK, some doctors will literally just simply t- test for TSH and they'll say, that's okay, it's normal that's fine. And the patient kind of walks out thinking, well, I don't feel normal. I feel terrible, but they feel misunderstood and they're quite not, not quite sure what to do in terms of them asking what, what should they be looking at and sort of pressing their doctor to test for?
0: It really is about all the tests. And I know I have patients in the UK. I know it's, it's almost impossible unless you're going through, I think a private doctor to get reverse T3. So I'm going to break down all the tests that you really need and the ones that you might have to order on your own simply because the medical professionals there won't order it. So we talked about TS, let's start with TSH. TSH is the common test to test for thyroid function. And it's, it's important to understand that that is a pituitary hormone, meaning it's coming from the pituitary in your brain. So we have the HPT access where your hypothalamus talks to your pituitary, your pituitary talks to your thyroid. And if you think of TSH as, I like to use analogies to get people to understand. So if you think of TSH as when you're screaming at your kids, right? So Johnny's doing something bad. Johnny, okay. You got to pick up your toys and then he doesn't listen. And then your voice raises, Johnny, you need to pick up your toys. That's TSH screaming at the thyroid gland to make more thyroid hormone. It's basically saying, hey, thyroid, you're not doing your job here. As TSH gets higher, that's an indication that the thyroid gland is becoming slower, losing function, low and slow. But here's the thing. The TSH doesn't tell us everything. The TSH can be perfectly normal. In fact, it can be optimal even in functional medicine eyes but there can still be a thyroid problem. That's where we have to look at those two hormones I mentioned earlier. I want to see what the free T3 is, that active thyroid hormone. I want to see what your free T4 is, your storage thyroid hormone. I want to see what your reverse T3 is. That's the one that you might have to order yourself because reverse T3 puts the brakes on everything. That's our survival mechanism. It is meant to go high if we're in a traumatic state, if we're in the ICU, if we're in the ER, if we were just in a car crash, we have a major injury. Our body raises that reverse T3 because it knows, because our bodies are so smart, it knows that at that point in time, as you're laying in the hospital bed, you don't have to burn fat or grow hair or even feel good you need to survive. So we want to make sure that that reverse T3 isn't high as you're trying to go through your basic day, you know, work, take the kids to school, you know, clean the house, all those things. We want to make sure that reverse T3 isn't high. So that's another vital, vital, vital test that you must get to get that full picture of your thyroid. And then we want to test for Hashimoto's. So we want to test TPO, which is thyroid peroxidase and TGA, which is thyroid globulin antibody. Those two tests, and there are two markers for antibodies too. I've seen some doctors only test one. There are two, you have to get both. That tells us whether or not your hypothyroidism, if it is present, is due to the autoimmune condition Hashimoto's. So those are the tests that you must get. And I have a rule, Angela, I have a rule. If your doctor says no to testing, it's time to get a new doctor. Period. I mean end of story. Because if your doctor won't even test to see that whole picture of you and you're coming to that person pleading like please listen to me. I am experiencing symptoms here that I've never experienced before. I'm I'm gaining weight and I can't lose and I'm doing all the things. I'm eating well, I'm exercising, I'm de-stressing, I'm meditating, I'm going to yoga. I'm doing all the things and the weight keeps coming on. My hair keeps falling out. I am so tired by 2 p.m. I can't even keep my eyes open. I have to lay down for a nap and then I'm wired and tired at night and I can't sleep. All of those signs and symptoms from your body need to be listened to. So if your doctor won't even test to find out why the hell you feel this way, do you really think they're going to know what to do when those tests come back and know how to treat you properly? No, they're not even paying attention to your symptoms. They don't even want all the answers. So if your doctor says no to testing, it's time to get a new doctor.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I love that. It's straight and simple. And as I understand it, the reverse T3, if that's high, that is attaching to the receptors and stopping the active thyroid hormone T3 from doing its job, right? So now you're going to be putting on weight.
0: Exactly. Yes, exactly. I like to say, again, another analogy, high reverse T3 is like the bouncer at the club. So it's standing outside of your cell door and it's telling T3, you're not getting in and you're not getting in. So if you, exactly how you said it, Angel, it is preventing T3 from getting to the cell to do its job. Mm. And thank you for clearing all that up, because I think that's really, really helpful for
1: people. People are probably listening to this going, all right, now I understand it and I know what to order. So the next thing then is thinking about this. You mentioned there with the reverse T3, if there's an emergency situation going on, your body's going to be churning more of this out. Could then we're living in a highly stressed environment, right? Post-pandemic stress almost seems harder than when we first went into lockdown for many people normal life is resuming. It's very stressful. Now we have the threat of things like war. Um, how much is stress and impactful? Because we, I want to dive into the autoimmune in a moment, but when we're looking at thyroid health, because I also know that perimenopause is a big trigger point for women with thyroid as well. Uh, can you just explain how stress would be impacting this?
0: Oh goodness. Yes. So stress right now, all time high. For everyone, literally this is the first time in our history where the entire world has been stressed out together. So it doesn't matter what country you're in, what continent you're on, you're in a stressed out state. Then we add to that, like you said, the normal stressors of life. A lot of women don't look at pregnancy as a stressor, but that's a huge stress on the body. Perimenopause, menopause, hormonal changes, huge stress on the body. So anytime there is a stressor, whether it's external, worldly, internal within ourselves and then we could get into all the other stressors exposures to toxins not sleeping well processed foods all the garbage that comes into our bodies all of those things are stressors that no doubt is going to increase your risk of that autoimmune switch turning on so stress in of itself can down regulate your thyroid function like we said earlier over exercising, over dieting, that's a stress on the body. And that is literally going to cause the thyroid to go, you know what? This is BS. I'm not going to work well anymore. And it's those other stressors that are just down regulating the function of the thyroid gland. That's your, your five, maybe 10%. And The other 90%, 95%, like we said earlier is Hashimoto's, but it's still tied to stress because you have that genetic predisposition for for autoimmune. If you, if you do, you have it, it's there. Look at your history, look at your mom, look at your aunt, look at your sisters, look at your gram, uh, look at your dad's side as well, and go through that history and look for any autoimmune conditions. If they are present, you have a genetic predisposition for autoimmune. Now that switches in the off position. Then we say, what's going to turn it on? It could be any stressor. It could be pregnancy, perimenopause. It could be the stress of the world. It could be a, a, an underlying virus like Epstein-Barr virus, Lyme disease, a co-infection, lack of nutrients. Any kind of stressor is going to flip that switch to the opposition and then you start getting the symptoms. That's why so often you will hear women say, you know, it was after my second kid it just all went to hell or it was after I hit 45 and went into perimenopause and then it all went to hell and all these symptoms started showing up. So it's any kind of stressor. Now we can also talk about how stress directly in terms of the adrenal glands and cortisol affects thyroid function, whether you're diagnosed or undiagnosed. But it it in, in the context of what I just said, just remember that any kind of stressor can turn on the autoimmune switch.
1: And what determines in that situation when you're under that stress, whether you then develop an underactive thyroid with something like Hashimoto's or an overactive thyroid with Graves? Because it seems like stress is a trigger for both, right? When I mean, you have those, you have that susceptible, genetic susceptibility. I also know you can swing between the two. What, why would someone develop Graves, uh, which is seemingly less common than Hashimoto's?
0: It is much less common. And the the Graves component is usually a direct hereditary component. And it's also more um, uh, more in certain ethnicities. So we'll see number one, my best friend's mom had graves and she had graves specifically, not just Hashimoto's, not another autoimmune condition. She had graves in her family history. So normally we will see Graves disease specifically along the hereditary line. The other factor is is your ethnicity. So we know that blacks are more susceptible to graves. Uh, graves disease hits men a little bit more than women, where Hashimoto slams women more than men. So it's, it's gender, it's, it's ethnicity, it's heredity. All of those components come into play to determine whether or not that autoimmune condition is going to express itself as Graves or Hashi. Okay interesting. And so do you still see stress
1: as kind of the, the switch flicker potentially for something like graves as well because something's going to flick it right It's not just going to activate necessarily on its own.
0: Definitely. all autoimmune turns on with with a, a, a flip of a switch. So again whether and when we say stressor just you know to clarify for listeners it's not just mental stress it's not just, physical stress. It's not just emotional, worldly stress. It could be, so Epstein-Barr virus is a big one. I'll, I'll refer to that. EBV. Epstein-Barr virus comes from having mono. And a lot of you don't even know that you had it because I didn't. I finally did an EBV test on myself last year and I went, oh, look, there it is. So I see it so often in all of my patients. Now it wasn't active. It was in its dormant state, but I couldn't tell you when, when I had mono. I mean, I'm just figuring it was a really bad cold. that my mom kept me home from school or if it was in college, I've just laid in bed, whatever, but I never got tested. But that EBV virus that stays in our body and it can remain in a dormant state, or it can turn into an active viral state. That is a huge trigger for Hashimoto's. Now we see the connection. And I was actually just speaking with a guy at the gym who has MS. And he came up to me just today, ironically, and he said, did you know EBV is actually tied to MS? I said, yeah, I said, I know MC bar virus is tied to all autoimmune. Normally we see it connected to Hashimoto's, but yes, it's an underlying stressor on the body that can flip that autoimmune switch no matter what autoimmune condition we're talking about. Interesting, interesting.
1: And so um, one thing I, I want to, to chat to you about as well is is uh, in relation to Hashimoto's, one of the is the treatment protocol. Mm-hmm. So for a lot of people listening, you know, some people are willing to do this, others are not. They the immediate thing is I've got to remove gluten completely from my diet, and some people really, really struggle with making that leap and that hurdle. And thinking I've got to take this out forever. What have you found in your clinical practice in terms of the the foods and the link with the gut, with gut health and the microbiome, um, and how do you approach it?
0: So I agree one hundred percent about the gluten. I have seen, I've seen many of my patients where they even express it to me, and they admit it when they have gone off the gluten wagon and boy do they feel like garbage it's it's almost as if all the symptoms come back and now there's a reason why we say no gluten especially with hashimotos the gluten or gliadin molecule is molecularly similar so we call it molecular mimicry it's very very similar To the thyroid gland. So when we're talking about autoimmune, another analogy coming, I always talk about having a group of soldiers and you have this group of soldiers that are confused and they think your thyroid is a bad guy. So they go out and regularly beat it up and they start a war. When gluten comes into your body, those soldiers go, hey, look, it's an invader. We don't like that guy because it looks like the thyroid gland. So the soldiers will go out, they will beat up, quote unquote, the gluten, and then they'll move over to your thyroid gland. So every time you eat gluten, you're literally spurring on an autoimmune attack, which then, and we can see this with an ultrasound, shrinks the thyroid gland and slowly destroys it over time to nothing. We don't want that because again, if, if, if I beat you up on a daily basis, you're not going to be able to work really well, right? Nobody wants that. You're going to be laying on the couch in pain. So same thing with your thyroid. We don't want to beat up because if it is, it's not going to work well. It's not going to produce the amount of T4 and T3 that we need to run your body. So we don't. We want to keep the soldier's at bay, keep them in their barracks, let them chill out. We don't want them starting a war. One way to do that is to truly eliminate gluten. Then when you add it back in, you get those symptoms again, because the same thing happened. The soldiers go out, they beat up your thyroid up. Oh, and then here comes the fatigue and the weight gain and low metabolism and you lose some hair. So it's very easy even to get gluten at a restaurant. You really want to be careful with that component. And then every other diet aspect beyond that, nutritional change aspect beyond that, really can be tailored to you. So with Hashimoto's hypothyroidism, like I said, since it's the master gland, it controls all of our other hormones. One of those specifically is insulin. So insulin's a hormone, we need it for life, but in excess, it is the fat storage hormone. I often see insulin resistance, borderline type two diabetes and even type two diabetes related to hypothyroidism or a non-optimized thyroid gland. With that also comes weight gain and inflammation. So there, there are certain aspects of your diet that we can really personalize to you. If insulin resistant is present in one of my patients, we're going low carb because we know the carbs and processed foods increase insulin. That's the last thing we want in a person until we can reverse their insulin resistance, make them more insulin sensitive, improve their thyroid function, give them metabolism again, then you can get away with some more carbs. But until then, those carbs are going low. And that's very personalized to each person, depending on what else is going on in their body.
1: Okay. And depending presumably as well on how active they are, how much muscle mass they have, things like that, that improve insulin sensitivity. Definitely. yeah. Because it's that balance, isn't it? Where you go, if you go too low carb, you're going to kind of induce that stress pathway again. And then their adrenal function isn't so well supported. So it's kind of, I guess, quite a balancing act.
0: And you know what, even when I say low carb, I always have my patients cycle their carbs. So they never get into that super type a hyper-focus. I'm going to go low carb every day of the week for a year. Like, no, 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 no. <laughs> let's lower your carbohydrate intake to lower your insulin, make you more sensitive, but then let's come up out of it. Let's cycle out of it. So I have a program called keto for the week where I actually teach people like, we're not going to go psycho keto. We're not going to do dirty keto. And we're going to come up out of it on the weekend with good carbs. Now that doesn't mean a cheat meal where you're going out and down in pizza brownies and ice cream, But you can have, you know, some very, very healthy gluten-free treats to bring yourself up out of that low-carb state. And that keeps that thyroid gland functioning. It keeps your your cortisol levels in check. Um, So that's really, there's, you know, obviously a good and bad way to do low-carb for sure.
1: Yeah. Yeah, no, I like that. It's just very good. And also, it's kind of, it helps to maintain that metabolic flexibility, doesn't it? I found that when I, I had PCOS in my late 20s, I was diagnosed with insulin resistance, prescribed metformin. Yep. this is when I was still practicing as a lawyer and actually going low carb really corrected that. Amazing. And then, you know, as I worked on my metabolic flexibility, now I can tolerate more carbs and kind of transition back into that fat burning quite easily.
0: Exactly. Same. I I have PCOS as well. Had, have, I don't know, I'm 48. So I guess it's not really there that much anymore. Um, but, but I still get cycles. Yay. So (laughs) I guess I I would still classify myself as insulin resistance because when I do like go on vacation or go off the rails with carbohydrates, I definitely will notice the weight gain. So I do have the metabolic flexibility, like you said, but I have to still keep it in check. So Mm. very, very similar to you, Angela.
1: Yeah, very much so. And I think from from my understanding as well is that that that's beyond menopause, right? Once you've got PCOS and that reduced uh potentially reduced insulin or increased insulin resistance, actually you're stuck with that. It doesn't matter if you've gone through menopause because that aspect because it's a syndrome, isn't it? And and I'm the same as you have to work quite hard. It always annoys me if my husband gets the juicer out and he's like, well let's 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 make carrot juice or something. And it's like if I have a, a CGM on mine just literally skyrockets. Yes.
0: Yeah. Yes, exactly. I was just talking to a colleague today who was saying that she is incorporating in an apple a day. And I went, oh man, if I eat an apple a day and I know fruit's good for you and all that and the antioxidants, and there's a lot of arguments to that. But if I know my body, if I eat an apple a day and that's that's all I incorporate and that's all I change, I will gain weight in the next couple of weeks. It's just too much sugar for my body with the insulin resistance. I, I just can't handle that very simple sugar.
1: So I want to tell you about a probiotic that I've been taking recently called P3OM by my friends over at Biooptimizers that has a certain type of lactobacillus. It's lactobacillus plantarum that actually has been shown in recent scientific literature to enhance your body's own production of folate. So we all know that folate is really important for a process in the body known as methylation. But normally we think about where can we get folate from our food or from supplementation. And what's been found in recent research led by Dr. Cara Fitzgerald is that actually if we use certain probiotic bacteria then our microbiome can actually produce more folate for us, which is very, very cool. And that particular probiotic is in the P3OM by Bioptimizers. And that's one of the reasons that I take it every day. It's also because it has been really improving the health of my gut, reducing things like gas and bloating. It increases mental clarity and focus. And it also boosts amino acid absorption because it helps convert protein into usable amino acids that feed your brain, gut, and muscles. And as you know, I am a big fan of incorporating enough protein in our nutrition and diet plans because it helps to stimulate muscle protein synthesis. It gives us those very important amino acids which actually contribute to things like mental focus and clarity. And Probiotic P3OM by Bioptimizers helps you do all of that. It's nothing short of amazing. And you can get 10% off that probiotic by heading over to bioptimizers.com forward slash Angela and entering code Angela10 at checkout. That is bioptimizers.com forward slash Angela and just enter code Angela10 at checkout. You'll get 10% off probiotic P3OM. And also the other products that I love by them, the blood sugar breakthrough, which is incredible for helping you regulate your blood sugar, particularly after a high carb meal, Um, the magnesium breakthrough that I take every day and really helps me to sleep. But actually, magnesium is about so much more than that. Uh, because it's used in so many processes in the body and I'm so excited to say that now their delicious tasting chocolate protein powder that you've probably seen me posting about on Instagram is also now available in the UK and that is their protein breakthrough. So you can go and grab a cool 10% off all of those over at buyoptimizers.com forward slash Angela and entering code Angela10 at checkout. Now let's get back to the show. So going back then to thyroid function, so y- you would have people remove gluten from their diet, and then obviously they're working on any other intolerances and things and, re- and improving things like their insulin sensitivity. What have you found? Um, have you Do you use things like thyroid glandulas to support them? Are there certain supplements that you found are helpful for them as well with Hashimoto's?
0: Definitely. So... First and foremost, if, if they're my patient and we're working directly, I want to replace the thyroid hormones that are no longer being made. So that can be through glandulars, which glandulars contain T4 and T3. It can be through the use of medication. So whether we go the natural desiccated thyroid NDT route, or we use the, I don't even call them synthetics, I call them biosynth because they're very much biologically similar to the T4 and T3 being made by our thyroid gland or that was once made by our thyroid gland. So things like synthroid levothyroxine, um, euthyrox I think is in the UK, um, and then the liothyronine, cytomel, which is T3. So we can pair those two up together. The only thing I don't like using is T4 only because remember we said T4 is inactive, T3 is active. T4 has to convert to T3. And sometimes T4 will convert to reverse T3, the bouncer mm. at the club, not letting the T3 in your cell. So I don't wanna use T4 only, but I will use things like glandulars or medication to improve those thyroid hormone levels. Because just like if you were a type one diabetic and your pancreas didn't secrete insulin, you would have to take insulin. You could tell me all day long, but Dr. Amy, I really don't want to take a medication. Well, you know, without insulin, you're going to die. So you have to take this. same thing with thyroid hormone without adequate amounts of thyroid hormone. It might be a slow death, but it's going to be a death. We want to replace those hormones that are no longer being made by your body. So that's step one. Step two is using supportive nutrients like iodine, selenium in small amounts. You don't want to pound the selenium like most people do because they read it on a blog. Magnesium, zinc, um, all of those, vitamin D, vitamin A, vitamin C, all of those nutrients that are so key to helping T4 to T3 conversion happen. And then in addition, it's it they're actually helping your thyroid gland work better as well. Like iodine, very controversial. We can deep dive into mm. that if you'd like, but Iodine very controversial. Bottom line is your thyroid needs it to convert. Your cells need it. Iodine is very supportive of the immune system. So if there is autoimmune present, I like using iodine in small amounts. It's gotten a bad rap from practitioners using too much, but when used in the correct doses, it's, it's amazing. It's simple. It's amazing. Uh, so there are And your thyroid loves it,
1: right? That's, I mean, in the opposite with Graves, that's what they use, isn't it? They use radi- radioactive
0: thyroid to kind of nuke out the, the thyroid gland. That's a great way to think of it. So radioactive iodine treatments are using a supra physiological dose of iodine. Because the thyroid gland likes iodine, it's going to suck that up. And then with the radioactive component, it's going to blow up. So yes, essentially, if you dose yourself with an insane amount of iodine, you could shut down thyroid function, but we're not doing that. We're supporting. So it's all, you know, they all, what do they say? The, the, oh gosh, it, the poison versus the cures and the dose, mm. something like that. I'm butchering it, but they, there's a saying similar to that where really it comes down to, you know, we can kill you with this or we can treat you with this. It all depends on the dose. Mm. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I think that's
1: such an important point to make for people. Um, And so, what have you found then? Like, let's let's talk about because we did talk before the show that some people just don't even know they have a thyroid problem, but they're getting symptoms and they're just feeling like classically low on energy. They can't lose weight. Their hair's, you know, they haven't got that fullness and lust It's kind of lacking luster. what might they, but maybe they don't have all of these. Like, could you just talk a little bit, like some people have, what I see commonly on labs is like subclinical hypothyroidism where their doctor won't even, they're like, no, no, it's all in range. And you know, actually that really what they're saying is, you're just not quite sick enough for me yet. Come back when you've got really ill, which is right. kind of not very nice because you don't want them to get there. What should people be thinking about addressing if they're just feeling below par and
0: what that might mean? So your symptoms are signs given to you by your body to look deeper. I always say God did not build us to be fat, frustrated, sick, and tired. So when you have those symptoms, pay attention to them because those are the they're, they're road signs directing your doctor as to which way to go. At least that's how I use symptoms. My, the four most important words that I say to a patient are, how do you feel? because that matters so much more than what's on the labs. If someone is experiencing symptoms, and even if I look at the labs initially and I go, wow, these are even optimal versus normal. We'll get to that in a second. These are even optimal, but you know what? This person is experiencing symptoms and I need to listen and dig deeper and find out the why. So then we go a step further and we say, when you do get those labs, Don't accept your doctor told you they're normal. I see that all the time, especially my Facebook group. People will pop in and go, well, my doctor said I was normal. I go, what does normal mean? Because normal means you are falling into the standard lab value range. And I'll use reverse T3 because it's the same in every country. Reverse T3, that lab value range goes to 25. It starts at either zero or four that can vary, but it cuts off at 25, 24 to 25 is the cutoff in every single country. Optimal reverse T3 is less than 12. So you could come in with a reverse T3 of an 18, a 20, a 23, and your doctor would be like, well, that's normal. I tested it for you. And guess what? It's normal. No, it's not. That is indicative of a, of a conversion issue. That's indicative that your body is in survival mode. And that tells me one component as to why you have the symptoms. So you have to get all the labs done, but then you have to look at it from an optimal versus normal within that standard lab value range um, point of view, because optimal is where functional medicine says, this is where we know healthy people land. So this is where you need to land to be your best. Standard lab value range, normal, quote unquote, That's taken from a group of sick people. That's why it's so big. That's why it's so vast and huge. Nobody filtered out the sick people. Nobody filtered out the overweight people that aren't taking care of themselves. They just said, yeah, if you fall in this range, you'll feel normal. Well, the the guy that's 500 pounds eating McDonald's, I guess is in the normal range, but he's sure as hell not optimal living his best life. So we can't take from a group of sick people. We have to take from the optimal healthy people and say, this bullseye that's the optimal range. That's where you need to be. Anything outside of that tells me there's a problem and we need to fix it.
1: I can agree more. And I think um, I, you even see it on labs where they revise the ranges to what's become common, right? The more that, Which is scary, really, that you think the more people that develop a thyroid issue, the more we consider that to just now be normal. If it's yes. sort of just slightly outside of range, which is scary. And it's not just thyroid, is it? It's with any kind of labs, they're sort of revising ranges quite regularly, well, intermittently uh, for that reason. How long have you found for somebody listening? They're probably thinking they're having lots of aha moments listening to this and thinking, that sounds like me. That sounds like me. I need to check this just to kind of give them some hope. What have you found is the period to try to correct this, if they're willing and they're going to put in the work and start to make the changes to their nutrition, to their lifestyle, to get it back
0: on track. If you're in the beginning stages, because I get many, many questions like this, like, well, can I reverse this naturally? Do I need to take thyroid hormone replacement therapy? And the answer is always, it depends. It depends where you are. So Hashimoto's actually have six different stages. In the beginning stages, you have that genetic predisposition to autoimmune, you have some of the the, TSH, free T4, free T3, they're starting to shift a little bit, antibodies are present, and and you might start to feel symptoms in stage two, stage three. So if you're still in those beginning stages, then yes, there's, there's a very good chance that we can do things naturally, supplementally, nutritionally, lifestyle-wise to truly shift your symptoms and get you to a better state, whether it's calming down that attack, if it's Hashimoto's, or whether it's just getting your thyroid back online, if it was something else that caused it. In the latter stages, because if you think about this, it just makes sense, in those latter stages, especially with Hashimoto's the thyroid gland is now shrinking because it's being destroyed. Like I said, we can see it on ultrasound. So if the thyroid gland is shrinking, naturally it's not going to produce the same amount of T4 and T3. We can can and will still do all of the nutritional changes and lifestyle changes and, and supplemental support, nutrients, minerals, all those things that are vital that your body needs. However, we might also have to incorporate thyroid hormone replacement therapy in the form of glandulars or medication, doesn't matter. We just want to get those thyroid hormones into your body so that they can work better. There's also, there's a a thyroid hormone called T2. So I'm coming out really within a week, depending on when this uh, releases, I'm coming out with a thyroid product called the Thyroid Fixer and it contains T2. Now T2 acts very similarly to T3 it's not as strong, it's not as potent, it doesn't punch you in the face and give you kind of like the jitteries or bring you into a hyper state like T3 has the pen- potential to do. And that's really why your doctor might be scared of it because they'll say, well, oh, you know, we're going to make you overactive and we're going to make you hyper if we give you T3. Well, no, that's not the case. But if you add in a little bit of T2, that starts improving symptoms. There are studies on it are amazing in terms of... Um, Lipogenesis, you know, increasing fat burning, increasing brown adipose tissue, which is your, your metabolically active tissue that helps you burn fat. Um, it increases mitochondrial function. So that contains a lot of that supplemental as well. That's something else people can do to kind of get their, their thyroid back online and get things working well again. So there's a variety of different, it just all depends on where you are in that whole process of thyroid disorder. Mm.
1: yeah interesting and is it a case of then once you've once you're in this situation because you've triggered that switch has been flicked Mm -hmm. now as you say and i think and, and i've certainly seen this people if they stop the protocol they may not have to be as restrictive as in the beginning but if they start to like weave bits of gluten things back in their diet they start to become symptomatic but i guess it's about reassuring people that
0: you feel so much better when you're doing it. Why would you want to stop feeling better, right? Yes, that's exactly it. And that's always what I say too. I say, you would have to pry my thyroid medication out of my dead cold hands because it does help me feel better. And, and I am optimized. And just like you said, Angela, I'm optimized. However, I can easily undo those effects of optimization I, I can overeat, I can eat gluten, I can go on vacation, I can drink alcohol and sure enough, I will be tired, I'll be brain foggy, I'll gain weight, my clothes will be tight again. So yes, you can un, undo it. And it's it's kind of almost like a self-sabotage that can occur too, because when you start to feel better and you start to lose weight, then people, you have that voice in your head that goes, well, you can just have a little bit of this. Mm. Oh yeah, go ahead and bite. And you're walking by your coworker, oh yeah, grab the Reese's peanut butter cup that's in her little candy jar. So it it kind of builds up upon itself and can become a self-sabotaging behavior. But if you catch it early enough, you can reverse it. Yeah. Yeah. That's good to know. And
1: what about, you were talking there with like people's a little bit of nervousness around T3 and just then the the thyroid tripping into overactive. I know we talked about the fact that sometimes you can have people that sort of seem to oscillate between Graves and Hashimoto's. Is that something that's more prevalent in men or do you see that as well in commonly in men and women?
0: Um, Both men and women. And so with autoimmune, remember, autoimmune is autoimmune. We rarely see Graves without the presence of Hashimoto antibodies. We can see Hashimoto's without the presence of Graves antibodies, but not usually the other way around. And what will happen is Graves will swing. It's like a pendulum. And when that pendulum can't be controlled, that's usually when the doctor says, time to get it out or time to blast it with radioactive iodine. And, 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 and again, I'll refer back to my, uh, my best friend's mom she was swinging. Every time I looked at her labs, she was one end of the spectrum or the other. She was either full-blown hyper with her free T3 or free T4 through the roof. Her TSH is way, way down. or Her her, grades antibodies were through the roof. And then she would swing and we'd look at her labs again. Oh my gosh, she has no T4, no T3. Hashimoto antibodies are through the roof. She's gaining weight, she's going hypo again. They put her on too much methamazole. And then they, you know, drop the dose and she'd swing the other way. And so that crazy pendulum swing, which also it could be, you know, lifestyle, dietary habits too, kind of making that pendulum swing bigger. um, That's when we say, okay, we have to intervene here. But most of the time, there's a little bit of both happening. I normally see patients after they've had their thyroid removed or radioactive iodine, because then they're in the hypostate. And that's when they are going, wait a minute, I was Graves over here feeling like I was crawling out of my skin, energy for days, losing weight like crazy, also affecting the eyes. Now I'm over here gaining weight. I can't even get through my day. Yeah,
1: that's, that's quite hard. To have you it know, that and they're around. all
0: confused. They're like, "What the hell? I'll take the graves back, thank you." You know, yeah, at least I was skinny. Exactly. <laughs> but I said, "No, wait, wait, wait. We can do this." You know, we—I don't care whether you have a thyroid gland or not. We can—we can build back up the thyroid hormone to get you optimized. That, that that That's not a factor that scares me. In fact, it's even more important than if you don't have a thyroid, it's even more important to get those hormones really, really tuned in and really into that optimal range to get you feeling better.
1: Mm. Which you can do by taking it exogenously.
0: Absolutely. Um,
1: and with, um, so Okay. So that's interesting then. So for people that do have something like Graves, it's when it's swinging that you're more likely then to be given the iodine. because But there's quite strong medication that they have to use, isn't there, is my understanding with Graves to actually bring it in balance so that you're not having palpitations and dramatically losing weight and getting those
0: bulging eyes. Mm-hmm, exactly. So it's usually methamazole that's used and that is, it basically kills thyroid function. So it, it in on the one hand, it's stopping your thyroid gland from being so overactive and overproducing hormones, but it's stopping your thyroid gland from being active and producing hormones. So it's, it's getting that dose right where it kind of takes the edge off, but doesn't plummet it and push it down into not working at all.
1: Is that the one uh, I think in the UK they use? Is it called Bimazole?
0: Is that the same? I'm not sure. I'm not yeah. sure. It
1: probably is. And it can it can cause like um an immune response a different immune response uh, in some people
0: just sort of randomly I think. Well, um, it's, yeah, it's 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 an immune suppressant too. Yeah. So just like we use with multiple autoimmune conditions, even MS lupus, we use immune uh, immunosuppressive therapy. So we're suppressing the immune system because it's 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 hyperactive and it's confused. It's those soldiers. It's like pushing the soldiers back into their barracks. So any kind of immunosuppressant is going to, it can go the other way and, and really kind of tank the immune system. And then you're more exposed to viruses. So just like we said, EBV can trigger Hashimoto's well, suppressing the immune system can trigger a variety of viruses to express themselves. So now it's just like back and forth pull of like, what do you do? What do you do? Do we keep killing the thyroid? Do we support it? Do we... So, yeah, that's usually where I'll see people is after they've gone through that, the medical gamut of suppressing their thyroid. Suppressing it.
1: And do you think that we are, we seem to be seeing more of this? Do you think that's because of our environment, our lifestyle? Do you think we're better at diagnosing it? What do you think is going on? Because it just seems so prevalent
0: at the moment. It's much more prevalent. Um, I do believe there is a correlation to what we are being exposed to. I mean, when you and I were kids, yeah, we had, you know, the white bread was made with gluten, whatever, but we had nowhere near, farmers weren't using glyphosate on every wheat field. Our cereal wasn't laden with pesticides. We didn't have to worry about organic versus non-organic produce. You know, we, we normally went down to the farmer's market and bought it from the guy that, that grew it in his on his farm. Um, I remember blueberry picking, you know what I mean? I mean, it was just, it was was a much less, I'm sure we still had some chemical exposure. I know we did, but it was much less chemical exposure. You know, microwaves came into existence. Now we're microwaving everything in plastic. We're using plastic water bottles out the wazoo. You know, you see plastic water bottles at every convenience store and gas station. And that's what people are grabbing to get their water. And that's full of BPA, the stuff that we put on our body. So I think the chemical toxin exposure has increased, To the point where that, like we said earlier, is a stressor on the body. And that is triggering more and more and more autoimmune conditions.
1: It's kind of scary, actually, isn't it? Because you sort of think, yeah, how do we get this under control? And as you say, a lot of it is convenience. And I think people like they... They don't think about it, right? They pick up that plastic water bottle, and then the sun's coming through the sunroof in their car, and it's heating it up, and they're getting more of this. And and quite scarily, as you say, like heating food in the microwave, it comes in microwavable containers. Um, yeah, it's um, right. It's right. Because really I think it's the heat that really makes the difference, isn't it? That really activates this transfer into the food or the dri- or the liquid.
0: It definitely is. So it's that heat. And you have to think, well, you know, a lot of people will say, well, I won't keep my water bottle in my car. Well, do you think it was heated up before it even got to you? I mean, it was in a warehouse. It was on a truck. What if it was delivered in the summer and sat outside on on big vats until it went into the store and went into the refrigerator and then you grabbed it? So it's already gone through the heating process. The other thing is, I, I know you guys are way ahead of us, actually. So the UK bans red food dye which is abundant over here in our food, because you guys figured out, hey, this is a big time chemical. Um, I, I interviewed Dr. Anthony J. He, I hope I get this right, don't butcher it. Um, the UK will not even feed their pigs grain that is laden with, um, and it, because with an A, it's a certain chem, at, atrazine. What they'll do is they'll ship it over here and we use it in our food.
1: Oh so what gosh. you
0: won't even feed your pigs, our government allows us to consume. So you're a little bit ahead of the game. We are way behind way the behind. game. And that's that's money ball. I mean, that's all we could. I'm not going down that political rabbit hole, but you know, we know why it's happening. We just have to be aware and step up and say, you know what? I am going to make changes on my own. I'm going to buy the organic if it costs me five dollars more. You know, and I'm going to to limit the exposure that I have to these chemicals that we know not only cause autoimmune disease, but also cancer and Alzheimer's and neurological Mm. conditions and the rise in autism. And we can connect it to so much.
1: It is. mean, it is scary. I remember, you know, the times that I've traveled to the US and and when I was growing up, my parents had a place there. We used to go there every summer in Florida. And I would just go to like go into Publix was the supermarket in Florida and look at the cheese counter. And here we'd have all these different kind of French and fermented and different like cheeses and things. And then there it was like plastic packets of different types of slices of cheese (laughs) that actually didn't even seem like they didn't taste like cheese, but you can have any variety of cheese. If you go and get a burger, you can have anything you want on it, right? It's, yeah, it was, it was a bit of an eye opener.
0: Absolutely, uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, good point.
1: There's probably higher uh, restrictions. Um, Well, okay. So just to close then, where can, I guess before before we close, what would you say? There's probably some people listening that maybe don't have a thyroid problem, but they're thinking, oh my God, I don't want to get this. This sounds really prevalent. If you would give them like five pieces of advice to stay optimal Mm -hmm. and protect their thyroid so people aren't encountering, what would be the top five things that
0: you would recommend? So if you have any symptoms at all, listen to them and start with testing, like we said. And then beyond that, Make sure, and gluten isn't good for anyone. I don't care whether you have an autoimmune condition or not. It's just not good because it does cause leaky gut. So you mentioned earlier about the gut. We know that the gluten molecule will come in and break down the structure of the gut lining, literally allowing for toxins to go into the bloodstream, to put it simply. So gluten, no, no, has to go. Processed foods. I mean, look at the amount of chemicals in bag and boxed foods. If you're getting something like, um, you know, an organic, whatever, or, you know, maybe a a keto, paleo type of a product, chances are the ingredients are going to be very narrowed down. They're going to be very limited. But if you buy anything else, flip it over and see if you can pronounce all of the chemicals in there. I purchased um, French fries for my stepson and I'm thinking, well... It's a bag of French fries, whatever. It's just potatoes. We're keeping him gluten-free because of autism, but we're keeping him gluten-free. So I buy the bag of French fries. I flip it over thinking it's going to be potatoes. (laughs) It is a laundry list of chemical ingredients. And I'm like, how are these French fries? They're just French fries. So you really have to, even for me, that was eye-opening. That was just a couple of years ago. Um, So even in, I'm, I'm far along in my, Functional medicine and nutrition journey, and, and being in practice. And I still have not flipped over a bag of french fries to see the chemicals in it. That was eye opening. So, your processed foods, they just have to go. You have to switch to, and I know you've heard this ad nauseum and it gets old and tiring, but guess what? You have to go organic. You have to. When you're buying meat, you have to go with the grass fed or at least like the butcher's box type of no antibiotics, no hormones added, because those hormones will screw up your hormones. And we could do a whole other podcast on being estrogen dominant, which you and I both experienced with PCOS. But if you take in hormones that are in your meat, they're going to mess up your hormones too. And that's a whole nother laundry list of symptoms. So I I would say, you know, definitely though, you know, get tested, listen to your body, um, eliminate the gluten, eliminate the processed food. You got to go organic with your meat and your, your fruits and veggies, or at least with like, you know, the, the dirty dozen of the fruits and veggies, And then lastly, just, this isn't really a lifestyle thing. I mean, we can, you have to get good sleep. Let me back up, get good sleep because sleep will screw you up. That is a whole other stressor. That's again, a whole other podcast in and of itself. You know, doing things like meditation, deep breathing actually has a scientific component to it. It can change the chemical structure of your body. So that's very beneficial. And then having hope finally is having hope. You do not stop. You do not stop seeking answers even if, like you said, if a person is suffering with symptoms and they're listening to this and they go, well, I've been to three doctors. I went to six who misdiagnosed me. The seventh one made the diagnosis. If I would have stopped at doctor number three, doctor number four, doctor number five, or doctor number six, I wouldn't be here with you today. I would be 250 pounds and bald and tired and probably not holding a job. So if I would have stopped and believed what i was hearing from the medical community doctors are wonderful they've gone through a ton of education they're brilliant but they're not gods so i want you to really listen to your body and have hope and you keep plugging cuz somebody has an answer for you mm-hmm.
1: I love that. That's so true. What an amazing point to close. Thank God that you did go to that seventh uh, medical appointment. That's Mm -hmm. scary. Um, But I think we'll give a lot of people listening hope. So there is hope out there and keep going um, until you find the answers. Where can people find you, Dr. Amy? You have so many resources to help people. Please link to everything so people can come and find you and connect with you.
0: Absolutely. So you can listen to me on my podcast, which Angela is going to be on as well. The thyroid fixer podcast that's on all podcast platforms. You can go to my website at Dr. And if you are interested in learning more about us working together, you can book a free discovery call. That's where we will go over your health and make sure that you're a good fit. Like I said, I have patients all over the world, the UK, Australia, South America, everywhere, Netherlands, New Zealand. So I work with patients all over and then on all social platforms. So IG is Dr. Amy Horneman. Um, we have a private Facebook group called Dr. Amy Horniman, the thyroid fixer, love your mirror. Cause I'm a big believer that people should love their mirror and love what they're looking at both internally and externally. So there's multiple ways of finding me. You can find me out there anywhere.
1: Amazing. We will link to all of that in the show notes. Thank you so much for coming on the show and sharing all of
0: that. Thanks Angela. It was a pleasure.
1: Thanks for listening. Remember to review and subscribe.